What's up, my friends? My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. These are conversations with fascinating people I meet along the way. From big wave surfers to environmental thought leaders to filmmakers and beyond. And this episode is a little different than most of my podcasts because if you're not from Santa Cruz, and I know that many of you are not, this might not interest you because this is a discussion regarding a specific project that is taking place in Santa Cruz. And it's going to determine the future of transportation in Santa Cruz. This is my hometown, and I believe it's important that we get involved with issues in our hometowns. So even if you're not from Santa Cruz, it might interest you. But uh, if you're looking for a more general, entertaining episode, you might want to go back one episode to my conversation with Zane Schweizer. He's a professional stand-up paddleboarder and was the winner of the Ultimate Waterman competition this year. Or even one back further than that with Ethan Rowland, where we talk about permaculture and regenerative agriculture. All right. If you're still with us, let's introduce the guest. This conversation is with Gail McNulty. Gail is the executive director of the Great Santa Cruz Trail Group. They are the organization that is spearheading this discussion. Gail has a lot of accolades, some of which are that she has worked at the Washington Post. She is a New York City teaching fellow, and she earned her master's in secondary English education. In 2012, she and her family moved to California to participate in the Stanford Knight Journalism Fellowship. Locally, she has co-chaired the Bonnie Doon Art and Wine and Art Wine and Brew Festival and has served on the Bonnie Doon School Board and the Bonnie Doon Community School Foundation. If you have feedback on the show, recommendations for new guests, or just want to say hello, head over to my website, kyle.surf or reach out to me on Instagram. All right, without further preamble, please welcome Gail McNulty. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, Tyler's been been heavily involved in it. He's he was the one who kind of nut just kept nudging me like, uh-huh. dude, dude, you need to learn about this. You need to learn about this. Cool. And I do I, I do a lot of stories all over the world, um, and it's. It's easy, right, to travel halfway around the world to look for a story that you would routinely overlook in your hometown. Yeah. You know, we tend yeah. to do that as as travelers. But Santa Cruz does have a lot of um, issues that are uh, reminiscent of, of larger issues around the country, right? This, for example, as a transportation issue, I think is a really good example for people, even if they don't live in Santa Cruz, of asking about the future of their communities and where they want to see their communities in, in 10 or 20 years. And yeah. and transportation is a major part of that. Well, and I think we actually, going even beyond our community, if we build this the way that we'd like to see it built, I think we have the opportunity to influence the way people everywhere see transportation because we are so uniquely set up here to do this right. 
you know, if we take advantage of this opportunity. Right. Most, most communities uh, have to tear down a neighborhood to put a corridor through it of any kind, right? And you, and you hear about those stories all the time where they say, okay, we're going to build a freeway through your neighborhood. And it tends to be usually in a poor neighborhood. Whereas Santa Cruz, we already have this vein that goes from um where does the where does the corridor start give me the it's devonport to watson devonport the, to watsonville so devonport it starts watsonville. um yeah it starts well at the old cement plant which is just on the edge of devonport yeah um so for people who don't know anything about this what do you think is the most surprising aspect in your eyes well um that's a question that's catching me off guard. Oh, this is what I do all day. <laughs> um, I don't know about the most surprising aspects, but I think one of the maybe most overlooked aspects is the fact that we um, we have this rail corridor, and we are super lucky that the our regional transportation commission made this decision to purchase this rail corridor for our community, and we now have an opportunity to use it to make something truly great. Right. Um, country or not countries, but cities, counties, yeah, all over the United States and the world have been doing this. They have been taking their old underused rail lines and they have been converting them into trails. It's being done really well in many places. Right. We, however, are unique in the fact that our rail corridor literally goes through some of the most beautiful places on the planet. So, I mean, this will be not just a way to get someplace. It will be a way to get someplace and have a beautiful experience. Right. Well, and, and right now it's it's very underutilized. Yeah. Um, so I grew up right on Thirtieth um, Avenue. Uh, and I could see the um, trestle uh, from my house. And it's uh, so my grandmother, you lived in a cottage uh, below our house mm -hmm. and she she passed away last year, but she she lived to be um, I think like 97 and every day her daily walk was she would walk from our house and she would go on to the trestle and she would walk along the trestle wow and my dad was always kind of worried because it's the, right now the trestle and that whole corridor is kind of a sketchy place there are a lot of math addicts and homeless people who hang out on the trestle and we were always kind of worried about her and uh we my dad said he went on a walk with her one time and this really kind of sketchy guy came out of the out of the the shadows, and you know he looked like he hadn't slept for three days. And, and he said, he said, uh, "Excuse me, is this your mother?" And my dad said, "Yeah, it is." And he said, "I just want to let you know that, um, you know, I've been watching out for, her and I've uh, been keeping her safe to make sure that the, there's no sketchy people around here who try and take advantage of her." And nice. it's like, "Uh, okay, man, thank you so much." But uh, it, it is funny how, like, you know, in my eyes, I'm like, no, I don't really want to go along the the rail corridor right now. Like, that's just ugh, it's it's seedy area, right? But yeah. like, my 97 year old grandmother, that was her daily walk, was going through that area. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I agree. It's a, it's a very underutilized part of Santa Cruz, um, and we have a big opportunity. So, what's the the ten thousand foot view of like what the two the two decisions or the two arguments are that are happening 
Well, I see. I think. Well, I mean, basically, I came to this conversation just one month ago when I accepted this position. What's your position? I'm the executive director for the Great Santa Cruz Trail Group, mm-hmm. and prior to that, I had never heard of the Rail Trail. And I have to say, in talking to people, and I've talked to a lot of people, both in interviewing for this job and then accepting this job since taking it, um, I think the average person out there either knows nothing about the Rail Trail or kind of has heard of the rail trail, but doesn't really understand that there are two different things that could happen on right. the rail corridor. Right. Well, this is, it's, it's a, it's easy for, to go down different rabbit holes and have it get super complicated. So what I'm hoping to do here is to take a step back and lay out what the arguments are and what we can do with this in as simply a way as possible. Okay. So just a little bit of history. Yep. Um, Santa Cruz purchased the rail corridor in 2011 using Proposition 116 funds. Who did they purchase it from? They purchased it from, I believe it was Union Pacific Railroad at the time. Um, And and they used these Proposition 116 funds, which were part of the Clean Air and Water Act of 1990. And so those funds included the stipulation that they needed to maintain an active rail corridor. So from the very beginning, that's been the plan. And the Um, In 2013, the RTC drew up a plan, the Monterey Bay Sanctuary Scenic Trail Plan, which included this plan for rail um, with trail next to it. And that plan is an award-winning plan. It was done um, in the best way that they could with the idea that they needed to keep the tracks in place and build a trail next to it. Who did they win an award from? <laughs> they actually, it, it's a beautiful plan. If you look at it, it has lovely pictures, and, yeah. and, it, and you know it's done well, and it did what, what it needed to do. Right. Um, two years later, in 2015, they did the rail feasibility study. Mm-hmm. So completely independent of the original trail plan, they did the rail feasibility study, which talked about what could actually happen if we were ever to put a train on that corridor. Okay. The trail plan that was done in 2013 doesn't include any specifics about speed or frequency of trains that could potentially run on this line. And in many places, it places the trail um, eight and a half feet away from the rail. Right. So that, that's a big issue that a lot of people on the trail side of the argument have, is that there are, there are areas in this corridor, um, for people who haven't walked the tracks, there are wide parts, and then there are these places where they have to, you have to go over a trestle, and it narrows, and there, there are just areas where it, it's more difficult to build to have a train and a pathway next to it um and that's what people are concerned about and they they will then make arguments that like well and then you need a big fence between the train and the trail and um that's so much more complicated than just tearing the tracks out building a linear park and having um this bike path through Santa Cruz. Right. Well, and when when any government does this type of planning study and you're doing it for the 32 miles, it's done at a very high level. And so the origin the study that an award-winning an level. An award-winning high I, level. I always but... I always have to heckle award-winning because <laughs> like <laughs> It's so nebulous. Like, like I was like, uh, Kyle Tierman is an award-winning documentary <laughs> filmmaker. Like, once 
he won an NSSA surf contest when he was 14. Yes. That was an award that he won, and that makes him an award-winning person. And I'm not actually sure what award the trail study won, but I'm told it's an award-winning study, and it is. it does look nice. But, but it was done, again, to the best possible level at the time with a limited amount of funds. Yeah. That amount of funds did not allow for serious engineering estimates of every piece and so it was done at what's called a 20 percent level okay. which means you're looking at the legal corridor the width of the legal corridor but you're not necessarily taking into you know surveys weren't done so you're not necessarily taking into condition consideration where there's a big drop off on one side or there's a big hill that's in the way right. you know, and that kind of thing so the only piece that has actually been priced out so far at an actual Engine, you know, 80% engineering level is what's called Section 7 on the west side of town from the west side of the city of Santa Cruz to the wharf. And that little area has come in at around twice what was projected in the original trail study. So we're looking at that and thinking the $127 million that they had originally projected to build that path um, is now potentially looking at like it could be twice that amount right is it is it kind of like when you're uh remodeling your house and the contractor's like it'll be like 80 grand and then you get through it and they're like well it'll actually be like 260 grand um okay so one argument is that it 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 looks as though it's going to be more expensive than um they were initially projected um so a lot of people have the question of like, wh- like, why the hell do you even need a train that goes from um, Watsonville to Davenport and back? Because most people th- th- right now, Santa Cruz has a traffic issue. The traffic issue is getting worse and worse uh, every year. Um, and most people think that the reason for that traffic issue is because people are going from Watsonville through Highway 1 and then over seven, uh, Highway 17, right? Which there is an issue with that, but I but you were telling me earlier that there is actually also a lot of traffic caused from people going just along Highway 1 from Watsonville um, to the west side and back. So there is um, a need for uh, more public transportation going back and forth just along that area of Santa Cruz. Right. Okay. Right. So that's so that's one of the uh, the main arguments for the RTC is they're saying more and more people are coming to Santa Cruz. We need to figure this out because traffic here is just getting worse and worse. Um, and what are we going to do? Well, right? and the truth is the Unified Corridor Study, which is ongoing at the moment, it's a study that our RTC is currently doing includes what we feel is actually a more practical solution already. They're already looking at a bus transit solution along the shoulder on Highway 1. They're, they're looking at widening Highway 1, and, and, and we feel that doing that to the best possible level stands a better chance of improving our traffic situation than putting too much energy into this train idea on the rail corridor right well you're also well you're going through these neighborhoods again like i said i grew up right on the side of this rail uh, of where the trestle is right um and it like you said it goes through a lot of very beautiful parts of santa cruz so i mean for me and the, the reason that i'm what i think is one of the strongest arguments is this question around who santa cruz wants to be like if we as a community who do we want to be in 20 years like do we want to be this big metropolitan city with 
you know, rails going through everywhere? Or do we want to be a city that values biking and values a potential linear, linear park? To me, that seems like the strongest argument, or at least that was like what kind of pulled at me to be like, yeah, like, fuck yeah. I want in, in 10 or 20 years, if I'm raising my kids here, I want them to be able to bike across Santa Cruz and not worry about getting hit by a car. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm, the reason I'm having you here is to educate me more on yeah. all these the sides. Well, and we definitely share that vision with you, Kyle. Circling back just for a minute to the actual transit issue at hand. Um, another one of the reasons that we feel um, the train isn't necessarily a practical solution outside of the fact that it's not paid for and it's very expensive to pay for. And we can circle back to that in a second, um, is the fact that the rail corridor we're talking about does not go close to any of our major employers. And so when you look at, you know, who our big employers are in town, the hospitals, the Cabrillo College, the university, the rail corridor is far from these things. And right now our metro, our metro bus service is already struggling and cutting back their lines. If people were to get from this train someday to an actual workplace, it would mean adding a lot of bus routes and buses. And so that's just even a further expense that we're not even talking about yet. Okay. And right now, so the 127 million initial estimate, potentially twice that, that we talked about earlier, was just to build the trail. The um, rail feasibility study, the RTC's rail feasibility study, projects another 176 million to actually add a train and get it up and running. And okay. again, we're looking at that's their early estimate. It's a 20% estimate. It could very well be twice that, you know, easily. Um, and, and it also doesn't take into, into consideration things like the extra signals and crossings that would need to be put up along the way and all these additional things. And when we look at that rail corridor too, our rail corridor is a freight corridor. It's one track from the cement plant to Watsonville. And it was built to move to move freight. Um, it doesn't have stations. It doesn't was have it originally built for the cement plant? It was, was, that, that was like one of the, ma- the primary reasons is there was, there was a big cement plant up in, uh, in I, Davenport. I, I, and, I bel- or in Bonnie Dune, right? And then yeah. uh, was that one of the, the primary reasons that it was built all those years ago? It was built... I'm not sure if it was built specifically for the cement plant, it, but it was built for freight. I mean, it was used to move redwoods, you know, okay. that had been chopped down and cement and things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and right now, is it, how active is it? Let- okay. So when we got the Prop 116 funds. We- because this is something I'm still confused about, yeah. because I would see a Union Pacific train going uh, like around my house like, Maybe a couple times a week. Okay. Like, Wait, whoa. What? And when like, was this? Uh, a, couple, a few years ago, I guess. Like, because there is still a train that goes every now and again across that track, correct? Correct. correct. So um, the cement plant closed in 2009. Okay. And 90% of the freight ended then. Yeah. When we purchased the rail corridor in 2011 using the Prop 116 funds, we needed it, part of it stipulated that we had to maintain an active rail line so really the davenport to um the, the prop 16 funds prop uh, 116 prop 116 funds okay yes. um was that the 11 million dollars that you're talking about that was, i think it's actually 10.2 million dollars okay but but the, it's, but the rtc got 10.2 million dollars from uh national the transportation state of california okay from the state of california yes. for transportation and they said all right here's 10.2 million dollars you need to keep this rail running but santa cruz was like great we're going to take it and 
The, but that money is now spent, right? That, that money. So the, we spent fourteen point two million dollars to purchase the rail corridor, which means Santa Cruz now owns it. Okay. Um, they purchased it from Un- Union Pacific. From Union Pacific. Okay. Ten point two million of those came from the state of California, and that was the Prop One Hundred Sixteen funds, which me- meant that we had to keep an active rail line. That's a stipulation of those funds. Um, we at that time contracted with Iowa Pacific to continue a freight and tourism service on those tracks to fulfill that to fulfill that commitment. And so Iowa Pacific since that time has been running um, a few a minimal amount of freight, like primarily the freight pieces, oil tankers that are being stored in Watsonville, and perhaps they need to move them every once in a while. And then they did something called the Polar Express train, which has run for a couple of years. This year, it was actually shut down for safety reasons. Um, And that takes us to the Capitola trestle. As, As the Polar Express train was going across the Capitola trestle, things were falling off and people in Capitola noticed that and got nervous. And um, the citizens of Capitola at the moment are very worried about their historic trestle, and they are literally worried that a train could fall off into their village. And so they do not want a train going across their trestle anymore. Um, <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's, that thing is rickety. Yeah, well, and, it, and it's also an example of um, that, that trestle is built of wrought iron, which means it can't be welded. And so it's not an easy retrofit to bring that up to right. date in order to actually make it safe for a train. Right. So is that an example of how this could be much more expensive? That is than, a perfect example of how this could become like, much more like, expensive. Like, okay, well, we think it's going to be this much, but like, ooh, we didn't take into account that we need to build a new trestle. Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, gotcha. And so what do people um, moving forward, like what do we do what what's what are the what are the next steps to make this happen because basically now santa cruz owns the corridor yes right a lot of people are saying hell yeah let's turn this into a bike path and it's going to be amazing um what 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 needs to happen to make that happen i mean the first thing that we need to do is help everybody to understand the difference in the two paths because there is a path in the current rail with trail plan right it's just that the path that's included in that plan is a narrow and mixed youth so if you think about when you're on mixed youth so when you think if you think about being on westcliff mm-hmm. and having people with their dogs strollers bike bike cyclists everybody kind of mixed together it's it's a wonderful and enjoyable Those damn segways on west cliff but it's not necessarily a fast way to get someplace sure. right um so we need to look at the two paths also the path included in the current plan um has a lot of problems because they if we don't build directly on the rail infrastructure that already exists it means building an entirely new infrastructure to build that path that's why the path that they're talking about is 127 to 250 million dollars whereas what we would like to do building directly on the current infrastructure is more in the 50 to 70 thousand dollar range um it, if you walk along any portion of that rail corridor, you're going to see ditches and water drainage issues and, and meth heads and yes and um, and grandmothers potentially, <laughs> but and hillsides that get in the way and drop offs, you know, and all these things that need to be mitigated in order to put the trail in. So that adds right. up to both a lot of extra money, and it's also very invasive to our you know, our fragile coastal ecosystem that we're talking about here. You know, we have 
you know what it goes if you want, want to build an addition on your house or anything like that you know all of the hoops you have to jump through to make sure that you're doing things in an environmentally sensitive way right and so if you look at the environmental impact report that goes along with the current plan pages upon pages upon pages of things that would need to be met in order to build that trail it's just another yeah sort of thing I, to worry about I, I in think terms that, of ever getting it done right i think that also for for santa cruisers who are um uh who, who enjoy riding their bike, there is also this sense of kind of urgency of like, wait, yeah, I want to be able to bike across Santa Cruz without worrying about getting hit by a car. Yes. Like there's, I mean, for me right now, that is uh, an issue of that it, there's so much traffic that I don't always want to bike around town because I'm afraid of getting hit by a car. I would, I have three little nephews and I would never take them on a bike ride around Santa Cruz. It's just, it's not happening. Um, and so I do think that there is also this sense of urgency, like, no, let's, let's make this path now. Like what's the quickest possible way to, to make this thing legit and make it happen. Yeah. Right? Well, and the sense of urgency is definitely there. I just, I caution that we need to be very careful about how we start doing this because yes, the RTC wants to break ground on the West side in the fall. And a lot of people are super excited to see that happen right now. They're ready to break ground on phase one of section seven phase two is put on hold because it came back in at twice as expensive as what was already out there. So our group just wants people to be aware of the fact that if we start building the current path, a it's a lot more expensive. A lot more expensive than building directly on the right. rail corridor. So right now, the, the, you mean you mean next fall they want to get going they on want doing to start a start that one little piece on the rail with trail program. The that, rail with trail. They'd okay. like to start building the trail just on the very edge of town on the west side. Okay. That one little piece. Once we start doing that, though, we're spending a lot of extra money. We're going into our fragile fragile ecosystem, yeah. and we're not taking advantage of the benefits that we can get from building right on the right on the rail corridor. Um, we had a meeting with members of the disability community last week, and we were talking with um, three people who are in wheelchairs and talking about their experiences on the roads in Santa Cruz. And similar to being afraid in, on a bicycle, I mean, they talk about you know getting their wheels stuck in things and getting knocked out of their wheelchairs and things that you and I just right. don't ever really even think about. Right. One of those um, one of those community members actually has been involved in two rail to trail conversion projects back east in New Hampshire and Vermont. And he's an, a huge advocate for these these things. For one reason, when you build directly on the rail corridor, you're taking advantage of a grade that's no more than 3% at any level. And so you're so for someone in a wheelchair, that's a huge advantage to be able to be on a relatively flat surface. Yeah. Um, from an ADA standpoint, it's just super helpful. The current plan, again, with the rail to trail keeping it in place, realistically, there are many places that we would need to detour bikes, wheelchairs, other people off of the rail corridor and back onto streets. Right. And so, for instance, in Capitola, without building an entire new trestle for pedestrians, if you keep the current one in place, assuming we, in theory, could put a train back across it, 
we would be detouring people back down into the village where they'd need to go down and then back up a steep hill to get back to the path. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is difficult. I don't think I could do that on a regular bike. Have you seen <laughs> the biceps of people in wheelchairs, though? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, like, it, first gear. Yes, yes. But it, but it also becomes less safe because the minute you veer out of that rail yeah. corridor, you're back shoulder to shoulder with cars. Yeah. And when we talk about, you, you mentioned um, people who are already cycling around town being excited about this. And that's great. Those people that are already cycling, yes, this is going to be a big benefit for them, but they're already cycling. One of the things that we envision is getting people, inviting people who are currently sitting in a car, you know, maybe just going across town from the east side to the west side or vice versa and losing an extra half hour, hour, hour out of every day. And they're sitting there and they're stressed at the people in front of them and they're not getting, you know, the exercise that they maybe needed to get because that extra time is when they would have gone to the gym. You know, we'd love to get those people out of that situation and on to a bicycle or an e-bike and using this as actually a faster way to get it across town. How many times have you been sitting there in the traffic on one and thinking, oh, my God, I could walk there faster? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have been looking at uh, a number of other models. This isn't the first time that this conversation has happened in our country. There have been a lot of places that have um, gone through this these decisions already where they've converted rails into trails. What are some examples um, that, y- that you and your group have been looking at um, when d- looking at the feasibility of, of how this would happen here? Okay, there... Um... You said that there was one in the Bronx that, that happened that was a really interesting story. Is that right? I'm I'm not certain if that's a rail-to-trail conversion okay. or not, but it is a good story. Um, so they there's a there's a website called Street Films where they show videos. Uh, they, it's, it's a bunch of videos of places around the country that have built similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the example from the Bronx talks about a new, they call it a greenway that opened between the Bronx and Roosevelt Island. And there are quotes of people coming across that on opening day and just being elated and talking about the fact that this is the first time in their lifetime that they have been able to leave their borough using their own physical power, you know, on a bicycle or walking or running and how just transformational that is for their community. You know, we forget about the fact that people who live in places that are economically challenged are also health challenged. I mean, if you live in a place that doesn't have safe places to walk and ride a bicycle, it's just another barrier to being healthy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I mean, just from the Santa Cruz standpoint, so I have kind of a unique perspective of this because um, my parents split up when I was little and my mom lived on the west side of town. My dad mo- lived on the east side. So half the week I would be on the west side and half the week I would be on the east side. I now live on the east side and there will be weeks before that I just won't go to the west side because of traffic. And then I'll get over to you know Westcliff and be like, man, this has been crazy. Like this is only maybe twenty minutes away, but um, there aren't, there isn't that access, right, to to make it um, make it attractive to go over to the other side of town, right? right? And I think that vice versa, you have a lot of people on the west side who don't go over to the, who don't come to the east side for weeks and weeks and weeks because of that traffic, right? Right. Right. Well, there's so one example is um, Minneapolis has put a lot of money into both their their greenway which is built right on their rail corridor and also just 
improving safety for bicyclists all over town. They really, and then a place that has cold winters, you know, but people are very, very inspired and and into riding their bikes around town. And there's one of these, another one of these, I think it was a street film video, um, talks about the way their rail, former rail corridor, which is now a bike path, has transformed parts of their town and how, you know, the little businesses that have sprung up alongside it for bike repair and for, you know, to get a cup of coffee or to sit down and have something to eat and how it just really has been transformational. And um, Right. So do you think that um, if we are still trying to to solve the, the traffic problem, do you think that one of the most plausible solutions would be to do a, a bus on the side of Highway 1? Yes. You do? Okay. I mean, that makes sense if there's there's already the highway there. Well, and if you think about the train, so, so when you look again at the Unified Corridor Study, it's looking at these three arteries. It's looking at Highway 1, it's looking at SoCal Avenue, and it's looking at the rail corridor. Unfortunately, the transit solution for the rail corridor is decade is a decade or more away you know it's it's nothing that could potentially solve any problems Mm -hmm. right now i mean there isn't funding for a train the projected funding for the train is starts at 176 million dollars and could easily be twice that or more um and so there there isn't a plan to pay for that we we recently passed measure d in the november election which gives us 85 million dollars already allocated to build just the trail portion along the rail corridor. It includes an, another 8% of the overall funds to maintain the tracks, assuming we're going to keep them empty. But it doesn't begin to touch. A, it doesn't build the entire trail if we keep moving forward with the current plan. B, it doesn't even touch or think about putting a train in. Okay. So it would be a whole nother sales tax measure and all these other funding sources that would be required. And even then, we don't feel like it's the right place for mass transit in our town right but it seems like right now we need to make this decision though and we need to either say okay we're we're not going to do a train and we're going to get the money to do just a trail or we're going to be doing both and it seems like that conversation is a lot of people a aren't educated about what's really happening and and b like the timeline of when these decisions need to be made so what is the timeline so you said that there that the rtc is is ready to get moving on it it, on the rail with trail in fall is that correct yes and is that something they're planning on doing like that's something that they're going to do unless uh, something else passes or protests happen so so there are certain pieces of their funding when when you have a project like this it's kind of a puzzle how the funding comes together yeah and so like, so some it's like of, it's like well, all right we're gonna remodel the bathroom first but we're not gonna tear the whole house down so all right, we got the bathroom because that's the most important part and then like okay and then we can think about remodeling the kitchen next year okay babe like it's it's right. but first we got to deal with the bathroom for like the toilet doesn't flush and we need to we need to get a bathtub in there right well and it's like when you have loan terms right you have an expiration date right and the same thing is going on here with some of those funds and they're all it's a Again, it's a jigsaw puzzle of where the funding comes from, but some of them have expiration dates. And so there is an urgency on the side of the government to get going on some of these projects. Um, One thing that recently came up on the North Coast is part of that funding, a large part of the funding for the North Coast segment from Davenport to the west side of town is coming from the federal government, from the Federal Highway Administration and the Central Federal Lands Bureau, I believe. Um, And that does contain an expiration date of... 20 
19, 2020, something like that. There, there's an urgency to okay. getting that piece of it done. Right. Um, and when and so the federal government came out and did their own analysis of that segment. And when they came out to do that, they found that the placement of the tracks in that segment are actually based on an old track alignment. And so the corridor that they where the current study has the trail placed is actually not part of the land that we actually own right. it actually is state park land and so there's this whole kind of piece there and um one of the things that came up on that end is they, they would like to get that piece built as soon as possible because they want to use those funds before they expire and so now they are they the rtc set a nine-month period to quickly restudy that that section um the federal government priced out the three options building directly on the rail building um on the coastal side or the inland side at three different levels and the building directly on the rail was about two-thirds the cost of either of the other two options okay i mean and then out there we get into this broader conversation because it is owned by state parks but much of that is also farmland and the farmers um would like for safety reasons to see the trail not go directly through the center of their farmland, which the tracks sometimes do. So that's also an ongoing conversation in terms of how do we build this trail to be the best possible trail um, and have the lowest impact both on the environment and also on people who are living and working in the right. in the area. Okay. Um, so what are the next steps? I mean, if people are like, okay, I, I mean, maybe I'll have someone else on this show who totally changes my opinion about like what we should be doing. But to me, it seems that building a trail only um, option would be the way to go. It'd be cheaper. There would be less um, potential for things to go wrong. Um, and if we do have this funding and there are expiration dates on the funding to get going, it's, mm -hmm. it seems that the community needs to get involved and for us to really make this decision about, okay, this is what we want, so let's not start building a rail and trail option in this section, only to then later be like, oops, we don't have enough money, uh, and now we need to rip that out and do something new. Is that a correct yeah, so, assessment so, of kind of like where we are right now? Very much so. Okay. And so... If we would like to change course, and I believe that would be the best thing for our community, we need people to, for A, understand the difference between the two current options, and B, put their voices together and let people know that we really do want to work to together to build this amazing active transportation solution for our town which can be a, a transformational experience you know it can when when we when we build directly on the rail corridor we'll be able to travel through a green through a green linear park right the current plan again if you picture the trail going right down the middle uh, the train going right the, the tracks going right down the middle leaving that in place the tracks in general are down the middle you would need to put a fence up because it's an active rail corridor on the other side, um, in many places, there would be a retaining wall. So you're starting to build this narrow little passage. Yeah, it would, it would suck. I, I, I get that. Like, it, it's much more beautiful to have the, the trail-only option. I get that. So what, um, 
like what are the next steps for people yes like okay. what what actually do, what what can i do as a citizen here in santa cruz to to say like okay well let's do this because the clock is ticking and things are just going to keep moving forward if we're not if we're not getting involved so what is it that i that i can actually do to get involved great so step one you can go visit the great santa cruz trail group.com and you can sign our change.org petition okay. um, and, and that's your organization that's our organization yeah. and that petition is asking the rtc to revisit a trail only plan along the rail corridor mm -hmm. um and we can come together and we can you know go to rtc meetings follow the news see, see what's going on with this and um help put your voices together so that we can be heard Okay, so going to going to that site, yeah. going to RTC meetings. Do you know when those meetings happen, or is it periodic? You can go to the RTC website okay. and, and find out. They're they're once a month. I okay, think. and then what is there? So is there a, an upcoming date where a big decision is going to be made, and we need to have our voices heard by that date? Because you said there was the there's the the 2020 expiration of certain funds right so when are when are decisions going to be made and like i just want to make sure that we're not like, be like oh yeah yeah cool we have a ton of time you know and then all of a sudden a big decision was was already made is there is that a legitimate fear that's well um the unified corridor corridor study is happening now mm -hmm. and so we want to do it within the term of the unified corridor study okay we want to do it as soon as possible because it would be great to not break ground in mm -hmm. the fall and start building this more expensive trail that's in the environmentally sensitive area okay um and what we really as a community need to do is have a build a hope that we together can get beyond bureaucracy because that's people's biggest fear right now i think both the people sitting on the RTC and the people in our community, our, our biggest fear is that switching gears will cause nothing to happen and that we'll, we won't be able to get anything done. And so um, along those lines, there's, there's kind of an inspirational story out of Amsterdam. I don't know if you've ever been to Amsterdam or Copenhagen. I haven't. Um, I haven't either, but I've been reading and, and watching a lot of videos about them lately. And both Amsterdam and Copenhagen are cycle-centered communities. I mean, these historically cycling is just an ingrained part of their culture. And so imagine you're a child, you, you go from a bike seat on your parents' bike to a balance bike, and you're commuting from a very early age on your bicycle. So you grow up doing that. If you're sitting in a car, you remember being that child on that bike commuting with your parents. And, and when you're not in your car, you are on a bicycle. Pretty much everybody who lives in Amsterdam and Copenhagen rides a bicycle. In the 70s, um, there was a movement in Amsterdam. The government started changing things. They started, they, they thought that maybe they should become a more car-centered place, like much of the world. And they started doing that, and people started dying. Like, they started changing the way that, you know, the way that, they, they, they changed things in a way that it became less safe for bicycles. And people got angry. So there was actually a movement. It was it was it was kind of called Stop Killing Our Children. And they came together How's for, that well, for literally a like some, that within, a within a very short time. I think four hundred children died and like that you know, it was it was a scary time. Yeah. Just from these small changes. And and they granted they had an advantage to us because they had been a cycled center community. So they were able to speak loudly and simply reverse the changes that were happening and go back to something that already had been a 
motorcycle center community. There really isn't any place in the United States that has grown up as a cycled center community in that way. Um, Portland, Oregon, closer to home, has been making changes. They they have been making an, a solid effort to become a more cycle-centered community, and they've done things like they they want to make it easier and safer and more inviting Don't to get the, onto the your bike. Don't they have the six-foot rule or something like that? Like a car can't get uh, up to like six feet of a bicycle, of a cycler? They, they, they may. I saw, I, I, I saw a Portlandia episode. Okay. They're just like, six feet, bro, stay back! I, I, and he's on his fixie with his gauges. Honestly, I haven't watched Portlandia. I'm on my, I'm on my paper out, bro! Stay away! Well, that's quite possible. I'm not totally sure. But they have done things like they've done things to make it more convenient to get across town on your bike than in a car. Right. For instance, changing the direction of the stop signs so that all cars have to stop. Bikes don't. They can keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, simple things like that. And and when they have a bike path, they they build a physical barrier, whether it's a curb or putting plantings or something to actually separate the people on bicycles from the people driving the cars, just so that there's this perception that it feels safer and it actually is safer to ride a bike there. Right. Um, so, but, and, and it's people coming together to make things like that happen in Portland, to make the changes, to reverse the changes in Amsterdam. I mean, we can do it. You know, we are this community that is you know we we pride ourselves mm -hmm. in being environmentally sensitive and in being forward thinking and we're a creative town we are an active town i mean surf think about the surf culture here and the mountain biking culture here and um the skateboarding culture here we are an already an active transportation place you know we we really do want this we just need to go from having that dream to coming together and it's like what you're doing with your your surfing for change videos you know knowing just knowing that we can make a difference if we care enough to do it so do you know how much money it's going to take like if let's say tomorrow mark zuckerberg is like all right that sounds great i want to fund this which could absolutely happen because we do have a bunch of this silicon money uh, silicon valley money coming into town right and let's say that one of these these people are like, great, yeah, let's do that. Could a private funder come in and make this happen? Is, is that a, an well, option? The truth is the funding is already there for our version of the plan. We already passed Measure D. We have $85 million. So have, we, have, we have it all. We have $85 million okay. that is you know allocated from these this raise in sales tax and, and to build our trail. I mean, ours we're estimating fifty to $70,000 so that $85 million can easily pay back the $11 million, the $10.2 million in Proposition 116 funds and build the trail we're envisioning. I mean, and, and yes, we'd love to fundraise and yes, we'd love to do beautiful things because we want to make this unique uh, to Santa Cruz. Zuck I mean, Zuckerberg can pay for the garden. Well, and, and but and the other thing is, I mean, we need we, where we do need to be focusing more money and is, is on things like the bus rapid transit solution on one. I mean, so this is something amazing. And we do actually think that it will get people out of their cars and onto bicycles. And in that way, it will have an effect on our traffic. But it's not going to in and of itself solve our traffic problem on the other corridors, you know. Mm -hmm. But money in those places for things like the bus trans, the not rapid transit, but the bus on shoulder solution really can make a difference there. Cool. Um, thank you for laying this out for me. This is super helpful. Um, and where can people go to get more involved again? 
again so visit the great santa cruz trail group uh, great santa cruz trail.com to sign our petition our change.org position also if you're interested in learning more about how these trails have been benefiting communities all over america visit the rail to trail conservancy it's a great um great source and also the street films website all right thanks for coming on the show appreciate it thank you cal Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Gail. Hope you learned something. I know I did. Get involved. Get in touch. Stay tuned for new episodes coming out this week. We got some good ones coming. All right. Get outside. Get in the water. And I'll see you soon.